Can't escape your shadow again The unpleasant presence you install And every memory we have Forgotten promises like thoughts Now we're here to talk about Rust in Peace, um, which I think both this is one thing that you and I have agreed strongly on over the yeah. year, you know, over the however long it's been, um, is that uh, Rust in Peace is one of the best metal albums ever made, if not the best. Um, so I don't know what 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 uh, how do you want to approach talking about this album? It's the best metal album of all time. There's nothing left to say. Okay. Well, I mean, this was could... a great episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> I think we need to give people more than that. We can't just we can't just abandon them with that. You Have know. you read the Onion headline about that album? Was the that the Onion one that said people are still acting, writing music as if, or still yeah. making art as if Rust in Peace was never made in the first place? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I. I can't think of a flaw in the album. This, this, the problem is I can't find a flaw in the album. I, there's not something I, I hate. There's not something they dislike. There's not a moment I go, oh, I really wish they'd done this here. No, no. In fact, even the things that I would have liked when I first discovered the album and was, you know, you know, finding my favorite tracks and all that, and the tracks that I maybe didn't like at the time or didn't, didn't like as much as the other ones, I realized how important they were, the overall flow of the album how important and and they weren't really musical missteps like like i think the only song that i kind of didn't fall in love with was take no prisoners but that's still important do you know what i mean it's still it still adds to the album um and and there's a lot of interesting things going on in the album so like uh you know i i, th- I think that it's about as flawless as an album can be there's no uh number one it's got so much energy behind everything that's going on in it. It's not, it's, 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 it's really difficult to, to capture that kind of energy on an album, I think. And it's just from, from beginning to end, it's like, it's, it's as if like, they're all just on the same page. They're, they're confident about what they want. They have a clear vision of what they're trying to do. I know you're going to hate me for this comparison, but it's the, it's the most cohesive album that I've ever heard. And then the only other album that's as, as cohesive in my mind is appetite for destruction, which I know, I know you're not going to like that comparison, but just in terms of sound and aesthetic that has a cohesiveness to it. And this album has a cohesiveness to it. And, and I think that that's one of the things I've always liked about it. You can, you could, you could, you could pick any song on the album and you'll and you'll be able to capture DNA that is present in all the other songs of the album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I'll go ahead. And I don't actually mind that comparison too much. I thought you were going to bring up a different band that we agreed not to talk about. Um, so I, I, I can live with the comparison. Yeah, Guns N' Roses is not necessarily my favorite band. And, and not um, metal necessarily, but like... No, not at just, all. Just in terms of aesthetic, it's a similar type of... This album has a very cohesive sound. You know, you know what you're listening to the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, what, what? Well, I guess, what was your experience with um, 
with Rust in Peace? How did you how did you discover it? When did you first listen to it and all that? I heard it when it first came out, actually. Um, I had somebody in high school had turned me on to Megadeth in senior my senior year, mm-hmm. and they'd already had two or three albums out by then. I can't remember. And I gobbled it all up. I went and bought it all when I as soon as I had some money. And then Rust in Peace came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I was only listening to punk in college. I'd given up on metal because, you know, shit like the Black Album, shit like uh, Nirvana, shit like Winger, right? What had happened to glam metal just dominating the scene and ruining everything. And so I was listening solely to, to punk bands and okay. guys like Bob Mould. And then Rust in Peace came out. And I saw it at the Tower Records and I grabbed it took it home i think i had it on cassette i had it on a cassette too that's how i got it it was on cassette and that first song just punched me in the face yeah i uh i'll go ahead no it just took years for me to get to the other songs and appreciate them because i was constantly listening to that first song over and over again i uh i i was in seventh or eighth grade it was right like i had gotten a guitar and then i started getting into metal and it was it must have been eighth grade, I'm guessing, in nineteen ninety. I don't know. I don't know exactly when. But I remember how I first discovered it, I think, was I saw the Hangar eighteen video on uh on Headbangers Ball. Mm. And that intro I just I just fell in love with it. I, I couldn't believe yeah. I, like I I'd never heard music like that before because I was still new to metal. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, Oh my god, I love this. And I I, I, I got Rust in Peace and I, I just devoured the album. I listened to the I, I listened to it, you know, over and over again. I, uh, I I learned Hangar 18 on guitar. That was one of the first songs I ever learned, and it was actually how I got into my first band was playing that song. So, um, it was it was one of the songs I auditioned, and the singer liked Megadeth, and so that kind of got me into the band. Um, it's a, apparently something, and this is sort of a side note, but one of the things that I noticed when I was looking up the album today. And I didn't realize, even though I know how to play both songs, is Hangar 18 is actually, supposedly, is based on the uh, same chord progression that Call of Cthulhu is based on. Um, from, oh, from, from an album that we're not supposed to talk about today. But, uh, you know, but I thought that was interesting because I know how to play both both uh, songs. But the way that I play them are at different parts of the neck of the guitar. So you would, ne- you you know, I would, I, I could, I would, I, you know, I know that they're both in like the same key. But I, I didn't realize, oh, wait, that's kind of like the same thing. And so I haven't sat down and put it to the test. I'm just trusting what I encountered on the Internet today. Um, but I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And also it, it sounds so different because it's all it's all downstrokes. It's all strumming. And mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu is, you know, picking. So it, 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 it more like arpeggios. So it, it's got a different it's got a different vibe. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought I mean. Every song on this album is good. And like I said, the only exception for me early on was Take No Prisoners, which was a little bit, I don't know, it's, it's, it just felt a little dumber than some of the other songs, I think was sure. my issue with it. But it wasn't a bad song. It's just it's sort of the dip in the album for me. Um, but, it, but, but that dip would be anybody else's best song on a normal album. So right. it's just in relation to all the other great songs that, right. you, that to me, I, you get this dip. Dawn Patrol was my dip on the album. Really? See, Dawn, I yeah. loved Dawn Patrol. It, Dawn. Just because it was so slow. Okay, right? okay. I, I didn't want the break. I wanted I wanted to get punched in the face for 10 tracks. But right? that's like such a key palate cleanser because you have... I know. You have... I, know, I get it. I totally get it. I know how wrong I am here. 
Well, because you... It, okay, so for people that don't know the album, there are little breaks here and there, but you go from Hangar 18 to Take No Prisoners to Five Magics to Poison Was the Cure to Lucretia to Tornadoes of Soul, which are all like just getting punched in the face, right? Like, yeah. again, yeah, 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 yeah. some again, some of, the, some of those songs have introductions that are a little bit slower or bass-driven or something. But you, you definitely, and, and some of them get very melodic, like Tornado of Souls. But they're all powerful. They're all heavy, and and then you, and then you get this big dip with Dawn Patrol, and then you get Rust in Peace Polaris, which yeah. I feel like that really elevates Rust in Peace Polaris by the time you get there. Um, and also, Dawn Patrol is just kind of like a really strange, bizarre song. You know, it just doesn't. It, it, it it's really weird sounding. So it, yeah, it, yeah. It grabs it, like you. I said, it's not bad. There's uh, the album is flawless. I love every song in the album, but the low point for me is when I get the Dawn Pearl. Just, mm. Oh, <laughs> why are you slowing this down? You you gave me so much juice, and I know Polaris is coming, but I want this anyway. Okay. Now, were there other? So- what were you like overall? Like, if you had to pick three songs off this, off this album, what would your favorite have been? Well, obviously, uh, Holy Wars Punishment is due. Um, Hangar 18. I fell in love with Hangar 18, and then I, I stopped listening to the album for a long time, and then I played Guitar Hero 2, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with Hangar 18 again. Okay. And I, it's just, it's probably, I don't know how it's not my favorite on the album, probably because of how complicated Holy Wars is. Ho- Holy Wars is more intricate in terms of the guitar yeah. rhythm. And, I mean, Hangar 18, I think, is, the lead is very intricate, but the rhythm is fairly straightforward. I and like ho- how you said it's fairly intricate. Holy Wars Punishment Do might be the most intricate metal song. <laughs> it's a very intricate song. Okay, I, I will say that. <laughs> it's fairly intricate. You, well, what okay, are there, 17 cut, time changes before he starts singing? It's it's definitely up there. But like uh but but I don't know. It's it's still it's still uh it's it's not there's a lot of time changes and stuff, but it's it's and I, and I I don't it's not it's incredibly hard to write. A song like that but it's not yeah. impossible to play which i think is actually good and works in its favor sometimes songs that are impossible to play don't actually sound that good um but this the structure is dizzying but just hangar 18 just gets me in like you know just like in the center it's just like one of those yeah. songs just makes me yeah. feel everything that i want to feel when i come to music and uh and 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 and, and also that that lead work on hangar 18 I've just always really loved the lead work on that. Um, you know, the, the solo is not, it's probably not as iconic of a solo as you get with tornado of souls and stuff, but, right. but that's a, it's a really interesting solo. I uh, think it's a better solo than tornado of souls. Personally for me, that outro okay. it just keeps going. I don't want it to end. Well, and it's uh, got tornado s- of souls. I just want another measure, right? Tornado of souls. You can predict where it's going. It's, it's not yeah. trying to fool you. It's trying to give you what, it's trying. It's giving you something that fits the song, and so it's very similar to the Mr. Crowley solo from right. from Ozzy Osbourne. It's it, it's right. not trying to surprise you, but Hangar 18 surprises you. You're like, whoa, the guitar just dropped down there. What's going on? And it's like it's like the floor falls out from under you. So I I always like that experience of Hangar 18 because it was my first exposure to 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 something beyond like a pentatonic or a simple classical scale. Um, and, and now, it, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a confession here. I don't care who the band is if they've got a good outro, a guitar outro. I'm there. Okay. Running Down Dream by Tom Petty. Absolutely love that guitar outro. Is fantastic. 
uh, outros don't get a lot of attention either that's kind of an interesting point that you're making yeah no but they're just the sultans of swing by the dire straits yeah that yep. outro i could listen to that all day that that's i've i've always really liked his guitar work that the mm-hmm. um i mean it's a little bit off topic but but just that style of playing i think he plays with his fingers which is why it does. doesn't it doesn't sound it sounds a little bit soft at times it doesn't really you know it's it, but that's because he's playing with his fingers but but i love playing with my fingers and there's only a few, there's only a handful of rock guitars to do it the guy from the doors does it a few other people do it and uh and and he just does it beautifully and it sound any any transitions from chord work to mel- to melody to lead to, to all these things and it's really organic um and and again i think uh i think here for me so wait, did you did you give your third song or did you just give your second? Because I, 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 I really don't I don't know what my third would be. It's either Tornado or Polaris. Okay, so I, and I don't know. I've never been asked this question before. I never thought about it. Okay, so so I would say, um, let me see here. I I think that m- my favorite song would definitely have to be Hangar Eighteen because um, it had such a profound impact on me. Um, and I think that uh, Holy Wars, The Punishment Do is possibly the best metal song ever written, just in terms of structure and in terms of everything. It, it's, it, it, everybody loves that song. And every guitarist, you know, wants to be able to play it. And so yeah. I, I think I just think, you know, um, and I would say Tornado of Souls. But if I if I had to pick another one that wasn't Tornado of Souls, it would probably be. I would say Lucretia, actually. I really like Lucretia. I like the I like the vibe that Lucretia gets. Um, it's it's a little different than all the other songs in the album, um, but but if I'm being honest, I would probably rather listen to Tornadoes of Souls. So I would put that as my third. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's a. Um, uh, I don't know, just the, the sound they get on the album too, like the over, like the the sound of the guitars. I feel like I'm I'm depressed that that metal didn't stay that way in terms of how they handled distortion, because there's yeah. like a there's there's still like a level of discomfort in the distortion. I feel like distortion in recent years has been all about create. It's comfortable now. Do you know what I mean they they like people try to create distortion that is um, pleasant and sounds good to the ear and yeah. uh and the distortion that i grew up with was specifically intended to make you uncomfortable Jerry, that was that was the point it, it, you know it sounded good but it also it also kind of set your nerves on end a little bit and and i like the buzziness of the guitar distortion on this album um but uh but yeah so i don't know what uh what other things do we want to uh, I, I think one of the hard parts about this album for Megadeth is there was no way they were going to top it, right? But he still needs to be making music yeah. to pay the bills and just feel alive, right? I mean, that, this is his passion. Mm-hmm. The motherfucker invented three bands. Well, and he also so, probably still wanted to outdo Metallica as they got success with the Black Album. Sure, sure. You could see the race. I want to be the first one to get in the yeah. top ten. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And... um I, his pathway there just wasn't the easy listening one. And I think that's why you get, what's the next album? Not Euthanasia. The next one is... Oh, uh, the one was Symph- no, not Symphony, Symphony of Destruction. Symphony of Destruction. Thank you. 
Yeah, um, that's kind of what I fell off the wagon with uh, yeah. with Megadeth. I don't mind that album as much as some of the you know the 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 next one, but uh, and it's not as bad as what a lot of, of other metal bands were doing at the time. Uh, that said, though, all he ever has to do is make Rust. Rust in peace. You could if you make that album, you don't need to make another good album again. So it doesn't right. matter. And yeah, and yeah. and it's not that they didn't make other good albums, just that you know that that's that's that is the highest level that any band is ever going to get to, and and it certainly is the in my opinion it's the, that's peak Megadeth. You know that's yeah, yeah. that's absolutely them at their peak. Um, it was you know it's I don't think it's ever been repeated by another band, um, and and it's it's the reason that I I have so much respect for them. Rust in Peace is absolutely the reason that I I have you know, uh, a level of respect for Megadeth that I don't have for other bands that I might, I might like more of their albums, other bands, but Rust in Peace just is a whole other level of, uh, of material. Um, I, I think the album is so good that Mustaine could go on a genocidal killing spree and afterwards you'd see say, yeah, but Rust in Peace. Well, I, I well, I, it I sucks. Guess, it sucks that he killed so many people, but rest in peace. Well, I guess that brings us into the whole, like, you know, uh, Dave Mustaine is not, he's never billed himself as a likable guy. He certainly never built himself no. as a genocidal no. maniac. So that would, that would be quite the twist, but he's not, he's not a likable guy. He's a complicated human being. And that's what makes yes. his music so interesting. Um, if you, if he were a nice guy, I don't think I would like his music as much. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's not somebody I want to sit down and have a beer with. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm worried he might hit me. Do you know what I mean? He's that kind of person. And, yeah, and you I, never know what you're going to say that's going to trigger the punch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd at least be uneasy about meeting somebody like Dave Mustaine. Um, and I know, I know he's doing, what do they call it? The Mustaine offensive, where he's trying to go out and reconfigure his, uh, his reputation and try to, you know, uh, change how people see him. But I've always sort of viewed him as like the star scream of the metal universe. He's got, he's got, he's got this rage. Do you know what I mean? He's got this yeah. rage that he, he, that he, he, he exposes to the world, and and it's 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 the the most artistically that he ever rendered it was in Rust in Peace. Um, I I think he gets judged differently than everybody else too. As a result, I think yeah. when when he makes a mistake. It resonates for years. Yes, versus it does. when other people in the metal community make a mistake, it oh well yeah that that one song on that one album that was really really stupid but they recovered. No, you're 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 100 true because I remember that he did some performance with the symphony not long ago. Maybe it might it might have actually been long ago at this point, but he did and and it was after he had said some things that irritated a lot of people and you know I certainly didn't agree with anything he said. But you could tell, I read a review, you could tell the reviewer's opinion of what he was doing was colored by Mustaine's recent yeah. statements. And I went and I actually, and so the, and I remember that he described the performance. So I was like, well, it couldn't have possibly been that bad. I mean, Dave Mustaine is a lot of things, but he's a professional musician. I just have a hard time believing what I'm reading here. So I went and I looked at the, what was available online of, of that performance, or of at least a subsequent one. And it wasn't. It wasn't at all what the person described. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world either, but it wasn't the, you know, sort of like, well, he's always been a hack kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, no, right. you, you could say a lot of things about Dave Mustaine. He is not a hack. Um, right. You know, if anything, he is somebody that, you know, 
excels at his instrument and excels at, at writing and all these other things. Um, and, and, and so I do, I do think you're right though. He gets, he does get judged differently. Um, but again, I, I do think that's what makes him more interesting as a, um, uh, as a, uh, as a performer and as a, as a writer, um, you know, and I, and I think that's, it, so, so I, I don't really worry too much about Dave Mustaine's personal life and what he says and what he does. Um, I worry about the material and the material is clearly a product of that. There's clearly, you know, um, you know, is how complicated he is as a person is visible on, uh, you know, in those words and in the, the emotions of the songs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, there's a, you know, heavy metal and rock music is filled with people that are jerks. That's just, that's just how it is. And, right. uh, um, if you, if you take out all the jerks, you, you know, who will you have like Dio maybe, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but Dio said a whole bunch of trashy shit about Richie. So yeah, he I did. Mean... But I, I think most people again, may, and maybe, maybe that's not fair but like i feel like people would say about that that richie was sort of a jerk first so it's sort of warranted do you know oh, what I yeah, mean? yeah yeah absolutely but yeah. what what is the metric for what when you're allowed to express your discomfort or displeasure with people right i'm not going to defend dave before the, he was kicked out of that other band uh-huh. because maybe he was an alcoholic and he was trouble yeah. and he was whatever but they didn't handle it right yeah, no, that's the story definitely of how they case. got rid of him was horrible. And he got to live with that anger for 20, 30 years before he got an apology. And he still didn't even get one from one of the guys in the band. Right. That's that's kind of that's that's some shitty cornflakes right there. That's yeah, I, I would agree with that's that. That's a horrible way to be to a guy. And I've been I've been in a situation. I had a boss lay his hands on me in the workplace and I was so shocked about it. Mm-hmm. That he didn't say anything or do anything because it had never happened to me before. Okay. He actually hit me in the workplace. Oh, he hit you and like with his fist or with his with, with the his back opening. of his hand. Okay. That's and even I, that's a, a backhander is the most insulting thing you can do to somebody. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I was so shocked that it happened that I didn't even know what to do because there were people there, and I thought if I reciprocate right now, I'm mm. I'm going to jail or something, right? Yeah. You know, I was young enough and I was just humble enough that I'm I don't know what to do. I'm not going to do anything. Okay. And to this day, it still pisses me off, right? And you, that was that was just an, a, a tiny offense twenty years ago. Can you imagine a band you built you're getting kicked out of while you're sleeping in the back of the truck? No, I mean, absolutely. On the other hand, the fact that he got kicked out of that band and then went on to do the things he did, yeah. um, you know, that's that's a pretty amazing thing. You know, that band it took you know at least three people to put to, do you know what I mean to get to where they got and he kind of I mean he obviously he hired good musicians and all that but I mean Megadeth is definitely Dave Mustaine's vision so yeah. um so he kind of was able to do it his own way and and he and he, and he and he made material that I mean again Rustin you know you 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 could say some other bands have uh you know a number of albums that reach certain points but nobody got to the level of Rustin Peace and and I think even, you know, their earlier albums, like, you know, Peace Cells and um, So Far, So Good, So What are still very high watermarks for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, out the gate, out the gate, his Megadeth is amazing. 
Um, there's no doubt about that. It's just you can see where the rage comes from, and that, that's what I was trying to get at. Is you can just yeah. see where the rage comes from, and it's sort of justified. But the problem is, is you can be anything you want in this world except for angry and fat. As soon as you're one of those two things, the universe judges you in yeah, a way that true. will not judge anybody else for anything. And but but anger is important for art. Like obviously, anger can be bad. Like anger is not a good emotion to to allow to no, fester. No, I'm not. But, I'm justifying it. I, what I'm saying is is that he gets judged for that in such yeah. an unfair way. Yeah, and yeah. The, the other guy from the other band is one of the trashiest human beings on the planet, and he's worth bajillions of dollars and being trashy isn't judged the same way that being angry is. And I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not belittling fat people. If you're listening and you're fat, I know you're not. I know I'm you. saying I'm empathetic to what, how you get judged for that because you could, you could be attracted to 17 different kinds of alien creatures and animals and you will not get judged in this world the way you will be if you're angry or fat. I mean, if you're angry, if you're an angry person, that should be what you write about. Do you know what I mean? Like, because otherwise you're sort of, do you know what I mean? It, and, and it'll come out even if you don't like you, like Dave Mustaine could have tried to write non-angry words and non-angry music. I guarantee you we would have looked back and realized, oh, this guy is has some anger issues. Do you know what I mean? It's sort, <laughs> yeah. sort of like with um, like Jerry Seinfeld, like somebody made a comment about him, how like uh, if you, you know, like, like you thought of, everybody thinks that Jerry Seinfeld is this wholesome comedian who's very vanilla, but like, there's a lot of contempt for humanity in his yeah, material, yeah. Yeah, you know? No and doubt. so I think it was Bill Burr that made the, the, that observation. And I, I, you know, so even if, even if you're psych, like filtering it through like a really polite lens or, you, you know, really respectable lens, it's still, I can't imagine that it wouldn't have come out in some other way. And what I like about Megadeth is how, I mean, the venom, the venom in some of their music is, is the most beautiful that you'll ever see. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, very few people can be insulting and poetic and crude the way Dave Mustaine is. Um, And, you know, sometimes in a very direct, clear way, sometimes in an indirect way, but it's just. It, it, it's it's one of the things that makes the music charming um and and so yeah i i i, I again i i think that uh more styles of people make music better if everybody was you know if everybody was like you know like and i just say dio because i think of him as sort of like the likable guy in metal but if everybody was ronnie james dio and we definitely want ronnie james dio in metal i don't know it'd probably be a little bit dull do you know what i mean like bruce dickinson's sometimes gets into jerk territory do you know I mean in a good way yeah. not in like yeah, an yeah. excessive way but he's kind of, he's a little bit bombastic and arrogant and he sometimes says things to, to 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 get a reaction and 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 that's visible in iron maiden style and in his performances um i don't know i, I want i want to hear material from people that kind of know who they are and are you know uh are comfortable expressing it um absolutely I think so, you sound disingenuous when you're singing about something or writing about something that you don't care about. Yeah, yeah. That you have, that you have no investment in, that you haven't thought through. I've said this before. My favorite metal song of all time is Victim of Changes by Judas Priest. And when you find out that he's gay when he's writing a song about a woman that has gotten really, really old 
sitting at a bar trying to score, still score young men. When you find out that he's gay writing that, it just blows your mind. Because how does he find that nerve center to write that song? And so is that so you're saying that uh, that that is can so you clarify that because I just want to make sure I understand your it, point it's sort of the uh, the exception that proves the rule right okay okay he writes so many things about science fiction and fantasy and the kind of stuff that he loves and those are all great songs like Exciter Invader mm-hmm. Starbreaker uh, you know the list goes on there's a lot of errs in Judas Priest I just realized um, but then you listen to Victim of Changes and it's just such fantastic genius song. And then years later, you find out he's gay. How did he do that? So many people, when they're writing about something they don't know, it's clear they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, but he somehow does. But he somehow does. Maybe well, he met. Maybe he met somebody like that, though. Yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe before he knew. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe he um, was just trying to imagine. You know, what's that like? Yeah, you know, maybe he was interested in the thought experiment of what is that like, and that's what got him there. Um, if you listen to Rush, you can see a transition where Neil Peart is finally out of ideas of things that he wants to write about. And now he's just writing songs because they've got to make another album. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, he's writing about things that he's passionate about. He's writing about things he's read books about. Okay. And those songs are so much better than the ones where he just says, hey, everybody, be happy with yourself. That's not a Rush song. Come on. I mean... And again, l- lyrical content is never my priority, but like you pick up right. on it when it's bad. Do you know what I mean when it's yeah. when it's not yeah, yeah, working, yeah. you pick up on it. And um, and it's not that I don't listen to lyrics. By the way, I know I say this a lot. Um, it's just that I listen to lyrics the same way I listen to guitar. I don't tend to look at the lyrics on a piece of paper. I'll tend to listen. And if if something's indecipherable, it's indecipherable. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of my attitude. Um, but I do try to listen to what they're saying. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, um, with with Rust in Peace, I think there is one song on there that maybe reflects an area that Mustaine has never been super passionate about, which is sort of the fantasy genre. Um, but it's done in sort of a Mustaine way, so it sort of still fits in the album, I think. Um, so I'm thinking like Five Magics feels a little bit, a little bit out of place topically. He, he even said he didn't like that song. Um, he's because he doesn't write about fantasy and that was clearly a song about magic and fantasy yeah. and that was one of the categories of music that he just didn't like and uh, I'm not exactly sure how that one came to be as a result it's got a great introduction um, but yeah it always sort of st- stuck out at me because everything else in the album is so so much more like contemporary in terms of what it's talking about um, and that was sort of like you know fantasy material which it's more the realm of Dio or, you know, some other band. And uh, also, I don't think he plays that song anymore because of the... Uh, I think he became born again and he wants to, he doesn't like to do the occult themes. It might be another song. I might have it wrong. But I thought that was one of the songs they don't play. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, might, I might be misremembering and mixing some other song that they have. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Um, any anything else to add about the uh, the music? Do we? Do we? Do no, we... Uh, we beat this one to death. Okay. I think. Once we started talking about how uh, Dio brought us all together in an afternoon special, um, <laughs> I, I think we I think we were done talking about Megadeth. 
well yeah that, that probably that probably was the the parting point um <laughs> if you're still listening bless you the uh well i i, I think i think uh I, I think what I would what I would say is one thing we didn't discuss that we probably should touch on is the remastering of the album. Ah! <laughs> um, Do not listen to it. There, we've talked about it. Well, it's not good. So the remastered version is, I think, a product of the loudness wars, where they kind of crank everything up. And the problem with cranking everything up is a lot of the emotional content of music is actually produced by the volume that you're playing your instrument at at different points and yeah. that's harder to pick up on when they crank everything up so uh so definitely if you can try to get a version that isn't the remastered version i'm pretty sure the one that's available on amazon music is the remastered version so i, I don't know if they have both up there um but just generally i would just say avoid remastered versions in general is the yeah. is the advice i would give there um, they generally always, if, if anything was remastered, like between 2000 and like 2012 or something, like just avoid it. Um, next but, episode, let's talk about Queens Rake, the warning. If we haven't already talked about it, we haven't, but I think that's the one Queens Rake album I know. So I would be happy to talk about that one. All right. Um, and that, 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 I was very impressed when I, when I actually delved into Queens Rake, by the way, because before yeah. getting into that, I re- my only understanding of them was Silent Lucidity and Jet City Woman. So oh, that, Jesus. And I got to admit, I kind of like Jet City Woman. It's got like a nice, you know, I'm in the you're, city you're doing out. something. But, well, out. I'm going into a tunnel. I can't hear you. Well, let, let me let me explain. It's the kind of song I want to hear. Like, <laughs> I've got to explain. When I used to do delivery, it was the kind of song that if I was in the city driving around, you would want to hear. Do you know what I mean? That's It's that kind of music. Yeah. Um, you can't take that back. I don't feel it's like not... I should be ashamed of that. That's perfectly you acceptable. You should absolutely opinion. be ashamed of that. <laughs> I, I feel no shame at all. It's not like I said, Tiptoe Through the Tulips is the greatest song ever ever written by man. You know. Did you hear that, everybody? He just said, Tiptoe Through the Tulips is the greatest song by man. He just said it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to edit that properly. So that, that's how what it sounds like. But... uh. But all right, so we'll we'll head out and uh until next episode, uh, you know, take care. Forgotten promises like thoughts The unholiness of your love Made me pray for your departure For you leaving my past, my present, my future the unholiness of your made me pray for your departure.